0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast, Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael in the studio. And Michael, we've got a question that um, I think, I think you and I are both gonna have to give our two cents, but we're gonna come at it from two different angles. Because the question is, What should I look for in a senior pastor? Hmm. Obviously, you are a senior pastor or a lead pastor. I have never been a lead pastor. And then there are those that are in the congregation that they're going to be asking. So for me, I'm looking for who is the one that I'm following? What should they have? What should they possess as far as character and some other qualities?
0: Let's go at this one. It's hard to not be self-aggrandizing. Well, yeah, (laughs) because you are a lead pastor. Right. You know, so... I want to address from my end, right? And then I'm going to give a baseline, I think. And then we can talk about some of the practical sides of what to really look for, because I think we have to open up 1 Timothy 3 and talk about yes. elder qualifications. For and sure. I, it's ironic to me because if we don't start here, every discussion that I have about a senior pastor has to really come back to this. But then I think there are cultural ways that we apply this. And I think about you, Tim, what What you look for in a senior pastor technically should be the same anybody else does. But when you're in a staff position, I have the profound ability to impact your life negatively way more than most people Mm -hmm. in a church. And so I think especially if you are a pastor or somebody who's looking to work in a church, I I think you have to do due diligence to make sure that before you come to work in that church – You've taken some time to get to know the pastor. It's hard to, the larger the church, the more distance there is between, you know, the people applying for a job and, yeah. and and wanting to get to the pastor. But so let's start. First Timothy chapter three. And and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna kind of I'm gonna read through this. I'm gonna make some comments and maybe in the process even dismantle some false notions about pastoral ministry. There you go. So this is the qualifications for overseers, elders, pastors, et cetera. This is the group of men. Designated to oversee as under shepherds under the authority of Jesus, a specific local church. There you go. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So, number one, the elder pastor, senior pastor, should want to be a pastor. Yes. And the desire to be a pastor is an applaudable thing, it's yeah. a good thing. So, there are uh, men that I meet uh, within the church who have elder aspirations. And they're afraid they're going to come across as pretentious. And I tell them there's nothing pretentious about being a man who wants to lead and love and shepherd That's right. the people of God, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, but it's a really good desire. And there
1: should be a healthy desire. That's one of the things that when I've talked with lead pastors before and I say, so how did you get to be a lead pastor? Well, I just kind of fell into it. I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. You fell into it? Yep. What does that mean?
0: No, I want someone who really loves what they're doing. Yep. I wanted to be a lead pastor. I didn't want it at Village, per se, at the time because of what was going on. But I did have aspirations for that. And I, and I felt no shame over that. It took an older man saying to me, it's a good thing to want the thing God has called you to. That's number one. Number two, go on to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Verse 2. Therefore, assuming that he wants this, an, an overseer, an elder must be above reproach, which... Literally, it's a word that I think it's lost in our vocabulary, but a reproach is accusation that is substantive. Yeah. So, any elder pastor can be accused of multiple things. And, and actually, later in Timothy, he talks about what to do when an elder is accused. There has to be two or three witnesses. Right. And, and if there's an elder who is not repenting, he needs to be rebuked in front of the entire church. Mm-hmm. And so, But just because an accusation comes up does not mean that the guy is disqualified. Or there's any
1: substance pre- to that. This passage, the overarching theme mm-hmm. comes from those words— The overseer, the pastor has to be above reproach, above validated criticism, validated character flaws, validated
0: accusations. The pastor lives his life in a way that people aren't continuously confused about his motivations. Right. We'll talk about how this applies to, especially in... American culture, I think there are some really, really unfortunate pitfalls. It's very easy to sure. fall into here. So that being said, but here we have like the idea of there is not a whole bunch of accusation around this person. That are substantive. But even even so, like, there is a vibe to this that if somebody lives their life in such a way that multiple people are making accusations or that give the appearance that something isn't in order, that's a problem. The husband of one wife. Lots of debate on this, but here's Mm -hmm. the idea. Faithful to one woman. Sober-minded, meaning in control of his thoughts, and then in, in the expression of those thoughts, it is helpful and clear-headed, yes. not prone to unbelievable highs and ridiculous lows. And I'm not talking about temperament. I'm talking about in their decision-making. Mm-hmm. There should be something about them. When you hear them process, they are very clear-headed. They're not just swayed by the best argument. Um, they're above the best arguments. They're patient in coming to conclusions. All different personality types can fit into this, Sure, but I want to know that before the elder makes a big decision or a big conclusion, he has thought Thought through it clearly in this way. I love this one, self-controlled. The, mm-hmm. There should be a level of what comes out of their mouth, what they do, what they do on Facebook, social media, that you look at them and you say they have control over their words and their thoughts and their. In other words, a pastor needs to have a healthy filter. Absolutely, <laughs> Amen. That's so good. That's that's quotable right there. Respectable, which is like the like people should easily be able to look at them and say, "I respect him." Yes, like that should be easy. That shouldn't be hard work for a lot of people hospitable. This is one of those ones that is like overlooked. It's yeah. the ability to open your home to strangers, to invite people you don't know into your sure. life, Christian or non Christian. There should be something about the home life where they are able to care for people in their home who have who have some kind of needs. Able to teach. This is actually one of the main distinctives between being a deacon and being an elder. It does not mean great at teaching, which has made a whole bunch of pastors feel a lot better. It just means that you have to have the ability to open up the Word of God, interpret it correctly, and help people understand it. It doesn't mean you have to be the greatest scholar. It just means you have to be very clear-headed in your exegesis application teaching in that way. Not a drunkard Duh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not violent, but gentle. The idea here is that they have the ability to enter into chaos or into high emotion environments and to bring a level of peace to it. Like that's that's not an easy, easy skill. Not a lover of money, which in itself implies that with pastoral ministry comes platforms which give you the ability to monetize. Mm. I do want to talk about that when we get to the when we get to the end of this. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, meaning not that the kids are perfect. No kids are perfect, but there should be a management of it. You can't control, for example, if your kid has autism or or some neurological challenge. But what you can do is you can manage that well in a Mm -hmm. way that brings God glory. And and, then the whole thing is this, is if you can't manage the chaos of kids and a wife, well, how are you going to be able to manage household of God, which, which is, is bigger, bigger and more yeah. complicated. He must not be a recent convert, which I love. So this is a warning because there'll be some men that you see come to Christ and they're growing like a weed and you're like, put them in leadership. And, yeah.
1: I think this is wise. Paul's advice is super wise. Yeah,
0: And he's honestly just probably playing off of Jesus and the parable of the seeds. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people who appear to grow quickly, but then the trials of life come and, yep. and choke them out. Or if he's a recent convert, he may become puffed up with conceit and fall in the condemnation of the devil. And again, never give new Christians too much weight over the body of Christ too soon. Uh, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. That's non-Christians. Yes. That is a qualification that is
1: often overlooked. Yep. When I'm talking with lead pastors, hey, what do the outsiders think of you? Not just those people inside the church, but what about the people outside the church? Yep,
0: absolutely. I think you start there and you look at the pastor's reputation. You look at the way they hold themselves. Um, I think there are questions that you can ask a pastor, like, tell me about some of the hardest times you've had in ministry. How did you respond? Do you have any regrets? How have you grown as a pastor? What are some mistakes you made earlier in ministry? And I think there should be an ability for a pastor to self-reflect and talk freely about his personal life. I mean, one of the natures of being a pastor is that is that your life is kind of just out there, you know what I mean? And, and, and for someone to be qualified, it means they have to open up their home life to be able to validate whether or not these things are reasonable. And so it is why, like, pastoral ministry is uniquely hard. Some pastors do hide. They hide their wives and their children and whatnot. My wife and I, you know, we have some things that are private, you know what I mean, but at the same time, you elders could really jump into those anytime you really wanted to, but by and large, our life is pretty wide open sure. and on the and table, and there's not a lot of mystery. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of like private conversations and, and whatnot that are pretty different than my public ones. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you hear, yeah, right. you hear my inner dialogues and inner thoughts and all my concerns. And there's just not a lot of difference, but like, I think that's important. Now I can say that, which is easy, but you know, the people around me need to validate. They need that, to validate. I think one of the most dangerous things is we let senior pastors validate themselves. And I think my, my, I'm just speaking as a senior pastor, my qualification or disqualification, is not evident because of what I do, but the people around me. Yes. And I think that's a really important thing because you could come to me and say, Michael, like, are you qualified? I'm like, well, they haven't fired me yet. So, (laughs) but therein is the question, like, who are the people around you? Who are the
1: people around you? What do they say about the lead pastor?
0: Yeah. So let's, let's break this down into some modern realities. I think, number one, the ability to have a very high EQ is going to be one of the requirements of a senior pastor. The ability to know EQ is this idea that you are able to monitor regular time the weight and impact of your words and your behavior on the people around you. And then you're able to not just monitor that, but you're able to respond accordingly so that you are navigating the emotions of a room or a conversation. And so if I'm being a big fat jerk, I I need to be able to recognize that shift, like real time. Now, again, nobody has a perfect IQ. Like that's not or EQ. EQ. That's not plausible. The only way you grow your EQ, by the way, which is number two, is you have regular points of feedback mm-hmm. that you invite into your life. And so the way your EQ grows is from as when you're a kid, what happens is um, you do something dumb and then your mom says, don't do that. That that makes you look like this. And you process that and then you don't do it again. But, yes. but what happens in pastoral ministry is because very few people are candid with pastors we need to monitor each other Yes, because I don't always know how I'm coming across. You don't always know how you're coming across. Mm-hmm. And so I think by and large, we can see it most of the time. But a really good senior pastor is inviting real-time feedback yes. into his life by those he trusts. So I think there's a fair question like – When's the last time a pastor or elder at your church has said something difficult to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And how did you respond? Right. And it may be a year ago because ideally if they're a qualified pastor, they're not having these things all the time. It should be every
1: day. It shouldn't be once
0: a month. Right. But they're going to happen. They're going to happen to me. Yeah. They're going to happen to you. Like right. I'm going to do things where I didn't measure appropriately the EQ in the room. And mm-hmm. that'll be one. And then – so there's another level of senior pastor ministry, which is, let's forget about like mega church, small church, throw all those distinctions out the window for a moment. Somebody asked me, they were a young pastor and they said, what essential skills do I need to succeed as a senior pastor in the modern evangelical church? That's a great question. I found myself so sad over the response, but I also get it. So here are some basic skills that most men will not survive long if they don't have these skills. Number one is an exceptional ability to communicate. Yes. Number two is an exceptional ability to identify cast and lead vision. Number three is an exceptional ability to lead leaders. Number four is exceptional ability to handle and fi- uh, to handle finances, systems, and organizations. Number five is an exceptional ability to have an unbelievable EQ that far transcends the rest of people. Number six, no glaring we- weaknesses that bother a whole bunch of people. Like I, I could go down the line and. I- Dude, that's not real. It's not. What happens, though, is like you get this guy. Let's say he's leading a church of 200 people, right? And he is a shepherd. He just loves the people. Well, a lot of shepherds don't actually have the skill set to grow an organization in a church beyond 200 people. They just don't. And so they're like, why isn't our church growing? We just need a visionary. Well, then they get the visionary, and they're like, well, our church is growing, but nobody's caring for our soul. And it's like – you need a compliment, yes. and a, a good senior pastor has to know what he's good at
1: and yes. what you go. he's
0: not good at.
1: I want to know the lead pastor, and I want to ask the hard question.
0: Where do you shine, and where do you struggle? Totally, and lead with it. Lead with it, yeah. I got to get really comfortable in my weaknesses, and if I can't articulate it, and if I'm offended when people tell me I'm not good at X, or Y, or Z— Here's a here's a really big problem I have when I sit down with younger senior pastors is their need to be the best in every, every, every category. And so I'll sit down with them and I'll just say, your EQ is low and you're not a great leader. You're a wonderful shepherd and teacher, and that's great. But now you have to staff out leadership. And then in the church, there's this idea that if you're the lead pastor or senior pastor, you also have to be the best leader. I don't buy that. No. At all. Because there's different ways of leading people. For sure. And... If I'm the best leader in the church, I don't know, like, that's sad to me. I don't know. I just really hope there's some better <laughs> leaders than me in the church. But I, I do lead well in one or two ways. You lead really well in one or two ways. Yep. Our ways are very different. And, and the hope there is, is they overlap, compliment. but then they are
1: complementary as well. sure.
0: Like, we both love people, and we can both sit down in trauma and care for people in their darkest moments, right? And yet you and I and, and me and Craig and, and everybody, I mean— Very few leaders in a church are both good at the same things. The reason I say that, though, is because the unbelievable amount of pressure on young senior pastors to be good at everything is remarkable. When the church grows, you do have the ability to staff out your weakness, Mm -hmm. which gives far less pressure. But then the pressure goes typically on what are your one or two strengths, and you can't ever— it feels like you can't ever let up. You know what I mean? And so if yours is teaching, well, you have to give the best sermon every week. Every week. If yours is leadership, you have to have the best vision. And I'm like, listen, sometimes I (laughs) bunt. You know, sometimes I I, I get walked.
1: And and what's sad is that pressure comes from three different areas. It comes from self-pressure, having to be the best in every category as a senior pastor. Then it can come from the leadership, the elders or deacons, whatever structure a church has. But then it can come from the congregation. My pastors, Got to be Superman. And not just Superman for strength, but Superman in the emotion and Superman in his teaching and Superman in his shepherding and Superman and, Mm. you know, just keep going, having walked the path of often the second guy in a church. It's like, hey, I want my senior pastor to be vulnerable, to be real. I want to know that he's human. And I love what we say at Village Church that, uh, I, and when I first heard this from you, I thought, oh, I can follow this guy. Mm. And it was, I am your brother before I'm your pastor. Mm. That line, that sentence mm. says so much about what we believe that that is essential for a senior pastor, both humility and grace. But at the same time, that doesn't excuse me for being a knucklehead.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea behind that statement is like there's a couple things we say which we're not always perfect at, but it's like we strive for it, you know. And one of them is like we are both you and me. We're interim pastors. Everybody's an Absolutely. interim pastor. It's funny because I've been saying that for years, and then I heard uh, <laughs> the Vanderbloemen guy yeah. say that, and I'm like, oh, that was my line. Yeah, you Anyways, stole my line. You stole my line. He didn't, but no, it feels no. like he did emotionally. Um, but the idea here is is that I'm not always going to be your pastor. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always going to be your brother. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not always going to be in this job or this position. But if you if you see me as your pastor before your brother, the moment I don't perform for you, you abandon me. Yep. This is historically what happens. Mm-hmm. But if I'm your brother first and I don't perform for you, you reconcile with yeah. me. In any brother relationship, like think about familial brothers. You know their weaknesses, you know their shortcomings, and your loyalty to them is, is based in your brotherhood and not in their job. Right. You know what I mean? And so like it's a really important value. And I and I think most healthy pastors have to fight for this notion of my job is not my identity. Yeah. And that's hard for every man. So I don't have yeah, any that, that's a problem on every on guys man has. who do that, but it's it's the it's a poll that we regularly come to, you know. Um I think interpersonally, um there are some uh, a few qualities in a senior pastor that sometimes they don't always need to be there to the same degree in associate pastors or other roles. One of them I would say is is a healthy work-life balance with margin. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is because senior pastors feel a different pressure, I think, and then they they burden themselves and burn out very quickly. Yeah. And so one of the things you want to look at is, are they emotionally healthy, Now, as I say that, I do have like a huge frustration, I would say, and not anger, just like, ah, man, I feel misunderstood. There's this regular conversation that I have with people, which which is they have in their brain what a pastor is and should be or whatever, or whatever they've read about. And so therefore, all pastors are like that. And I found all pastors to be very, very different in their capacity, in their life stage, and so, in fact, you know, and we may end up cutting this out because Tim may not want this on the air, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, I I have told all of our staff, you're not allowed to work over X many hours a week. And then I tell them I have one exception to that rule, and his name is Tim Chin.
1: Well, yeah, because I'm in a different stage of life. Completely. and I don't just,
0: have young children at home. Every one of our staff has young kids at home, and myself included. And uh, you're yes. in a different life stage. You have a very wonderful and unique relationship with your wife. You both have a very high capacity. You have an unbelievable amount of energy. You prioritize the right things. And so like your life cycle stage, whatever, is different. And even the way you process rest and work and purpose, they're just different than me. And so like in my family life, um, I don't work like most senior pastors. Uh, I don't function like most senior pastors, not a good way Mm -hmm, or a bad way. So in my family rhythm, we work hard and then we rest hard. That's a really good rhythm for us. And I've yet to even get close to burning out. And the reason being because I know my rhythm, you know? Um, I also know that, like, for me, right, I'm a starter. I need to start some things, and mm-hmm. I need to keep myself occupied. And Vil- it is not good for Village Church for me to give all of my entrepreneurial energy to it <laughs> because I'll crush us, yes. right? Like, it's yes. not good, you know? Yeah. And so y- how many times do you sit in a meeting, and I just drop a- I drop an idea, and I'm like, what do you guys thinking? And you're like, what are you even?" Doing. What are you doing? We like, can't, do you yet. can't do that. We can't do that. you're not even idea, ready. But you know? not, not, not yet. And in my brain, all things are possible, you know? And so, <laughs> so like my wife and I, we run a couple things on the side. And that I think is like it's really good for our souls, yes. it's good for our life. Um there are some actually pastoral things under underneath that you validated for us, which is when you have other sources of income, it gives you a clear head to make decisions about yes. your church in the future and your job. Because a lot of pastors, we this is our only source of income, you yeah. know? And so, like, I know that if for some reason the Lord said to me, I need you to walk away today. Yeah. Uh, I know that I'm not, I'm not going to slow down that decision because I'm I'm afraid of income. I know that I have a couple things that I can redirect my attention to, and it, it has given me a clear head. You have your car shop yep. and a number of other things, and, and it doesn't distract you. It actually frees, frees you. you. And in the process, we do things that allow us to enter into people's lives. Exactly.
1: And, th- and that's one of the things to answer the question, you know, what should I look for in a, in a senior pastor? I want to know what is this senior pastor's hobbies? Yeah. Is he 100% focused only on his church, which I think can be, a danger. can be a real danger. And, but there needs to be an outlet for other interests because the statistics about the number of pastors that are leaving yeah. ministry, usually it comes back, what else does that pastor do? What do they do for fun? Yep. You know, what do they also enjoy doing? Yep. I'm more than just a senior pastor. I'm a dad, and I'm also—I enjoy these things and these things. When the lead pastor has other interests,
0: it makes them more full. It gives them a richer sure,
1: ministry.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, pastoral ministry is weird because it is for all of us. It's a convergence. I mean, I can speak for you and me. It's the convergence of our families, our primary incomes, our ministries, our calling, our friends, our mm-hmm. community, for me, my in-laws, <laughs> which is a great gift, actually. Like they've yeah. been incredible. But that's all converges together. So everywhere I go, there I am. I'm a pastor with my people. You know? Yeah. Even when I go on vacation, it's with some of our best friends, often which are in the church, which yeah. is for me a delight. But that's our rhythm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I have this thing where I, I just want to caution people from putting your senior pastor into a small bubble. Yeah. But there are, are also trends that senior pastors are really fall into and we deceive ourselves and yeah anyway so i think i think there's a lot there um one of the things i wanted to like go deeper in is the idea on, on not lovers of money so i don't i don't know where to go with this because i am regularly my, my how do i say this what's the word i'm looking for tim my my morality is regularly tested so sure with great intentions have had multiple people say we should you should take your sermons and write a book off of them mm. well other than the legal issues of like who has copyright to that yeah, you know no, like no. that's a different question which we could work out easily and that's fine but even the perception of monetizing sort of stresses me out so yeah. like i do speak at places and get paid for it by and large i create original content but um sometimes i don't yeah, you know sometimes you have to borrow i mean original for the thing i mean almost all the content i teach comes from me but Sometimes I, I repackage stuff I've done at Village for yeah, a conference right. or whatever else. And I don't do it a lot, you know, a couple times a year or whatever. But this idea of of giving the perception of monetizing, I get really, really nervous about that. And I don't even want to give the perception that I'm exploiting or capitalizing on on a platform. And at the same time, there are are these moments where just really good, humble men have been catapulted Mm -hmm. into public ministry. That's not our (laughs) problem here, you know what I mean? So like (laughs) we're not on that realm, you know, but that is like a a huge fear of mine is navigating those worlds in a way that is really just humble and uh, not capitalizing where you do follow the lead of the spirit and the elders. But there are some cultural things I think that blind us from seeing how tacky that can really be! A village. We have a, a rule on our communications team that they're not allowed to quote me or put pictures of me on our social media or Facebook, except where it actually says like staff, you know. Mm-hmm. And those are avenues that we we implement to just try to like I don't know restrict it from being a cult of personality, if you will. And we can, I think we can need to do even more things to do better at that, but. I think you want to look for pastors who are not trying to put their face everywhere and put their name everywhere. You're trying to look for pastors who release and disciple people. Um, that would be a high value, I think, for me. So I think we've murdered this question. We've just addressed it from every angle that we could for 45 minutes.
1: Well, <laughs> hopefully we have been helpful, and I pray that we have.
0: Yeah. And I get it. Why would a senior pastor ever talk about this stuff? Well, because we have to. Yeah, you know? it just We is. do. I submit myself— under the authority of our elders, the best I can do is say, so far they say I'm qualified, but now I may not be the best senior pastor for a bunch of people. Right. We may not be the best elder board to shepherd a group of people. Correct. And that's fine, and that's where you just let the Holy Spirit lead you and and, uh, and to your pursuit of a church. So, I hope this wasn't uh, to applauding or discouraging a village church or myself try to just get above the fray a little bit. That's right. Just- and I'm wrestling through what is a good senior pastor every day. Uh, I don't think I've landed to be like my ideal self and the best pastor in the world. I hope when I'm 55, like I've grown a whole lot, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I hope like every year I feel like I transform personally. You still won't be my age. <laughs> I know I will always be younger than you are today for the next 20 years. Um, But I do find that every year, I find I'm convicted of more sin. I do find more ill intentions that I didn't know were there. Mm -hmm. Hopefully my gifts get harnessed and focused a little bit better. But if that's still happening, man, by the time I'm 55, I'm going to be a very different senior pastor than I am today, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. I think there's a lot of grace for senior pastors. I think there's a lot of diversity. But this culture makes it very weird, very hard. I don't mind it personally. But it does crush a lot of men. Sure does. For what it's worth.
1: Listeners, please come back next time when we deal with some questions that came out of our Dealing with Your Church Hurt class that we had just recently. And the question is What is the best church leadership structure?